Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 27 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I am your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? I'm actually recording this in the morning of a Monday versus the evening of a Sunday because obviously the Patriots won the Super Bowl last night. We'll get into that a little bit later on, but if I sound exhausted, it's because I am exhausted. So we got a lot to get into this week. We're going to start off right away with Kyrie and Anthony Davis. Obviously, we talked a little bit about it on Monday, but not enough about it because I would say over the last five or six days, it has dominated the sports world. Like It's been bigger news than the Super Bowl, which is very impressive by the NBA. So let's just start off with the basics, okay? Obviously... Anthony Davis and LeBron James have the same agent. Rich Paul, that's his name. He seems kind of douchey because he's trying too hard to make sure that his two best clients, probably in the NBA, I don't know if he signed anyone else. Like I know Marcus Morris, he's also signed with him, but obviously Anthony Davis and LeBron James are better than him. But Rich Paul is obviously going above and beyond to make sure that certain media outlets get the proper news from the AD camp and on Friday or on Thursday, his latest feat was probably the lowest he's ever gone. He had to get Anthony Davis's father involved. And when you think about free agency, okay, when you think about all the free agents out there, no matter what the sport, what father has spoken up? I mean, maybe Bryce Harper's because wasn't Bryce Harper homeschooled? But anyways, it doesn't matter. Anthony Davis's father says that he never wants his son to play for the Boston Celtics because of what Celtics did to IT. Isaiah Thomas, okay? Now, do I understand that what the Celtics did probably wasn't an ideal situation because of what Isaiah Thomas gave to the city for the two years? And he was a fan favorite. Everyone enjoyed him. The, you know, the little guy, the underdog. I get all that, okay? But the Celtics had to make a decision on how hard they wanted to go and get Anthony Davis. The plan wasn't just to go get Kyrie Irving. The end game for the Celtics is to make sure that they have Anthony Davis. Okay, so sure, people need to realize that everyone in the league would have made the Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving trade, right? Yes, it like it sucks, but Kyrie makes the Celtics better versus IT4, right? And I think the other reason why this happened is because Anthony Davis's dad needs to realize that like they made that Isaiah Thomas move so we so the Celtics could get your son like that that's the reason why like he he needs to realize that the Celtics had to do something that was kind of rude I guess yeah I I, I think that's the best way to describe it like the whole Celtics Isaiah Thomas thing was kind of rude but it's a business you got to get over it and Danny did what was best for the Celtics. And supposedly Anthony Davis has also been on record saying that he didn't agree with the Isaiah Thomas thing. So maybe, oh, I just burped. 
Oh, early AM burps. Gross. So maybe Anthony Davis doesn't want to be in the Celtics too because he's afraid that like he'll give all the loyalty to these guys and then they'll just throw them to the curb. Yeah, but this was a little bit different. I, I really, truly believe that Danny Ainge never wanted to trade Isaiah Thomas. But if someone's going to offer you Kyrie Irving, and in the back of your mind you say to yourself, Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis are best friends, guess what? I'm going to be kind of rude and make this offer, right? Because that's what I would do. Now, the big debate and the big rumors that are coming out is that Anthony Davis, no matter where he goes, whether it's the Celtics, the Knicks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Sacramento Kings, wherever he goes, he is going to be a one-year rental. He fully believes and wants to play one year somewhere and then go play with LeBron James when LeBron James is 36 years old in Los Angeles in 2020 when he actually becomes a free agent. Do I agree with that? Hey, do you. Do you. But I believe Danny and Wick and the entire Celtics front offense fully believe that if they go above and beyond, get Anthony Davis for one year and can still keep Kyrie Irving, that they have the faith that they can make sure that Anthony Davis stays a member of the Boston Celtics if that happens. And I I don't blame them because look at Paul George. Paul George from L.A., the whole situation with Paul George was he was going to go to the Thunder for one year and then he was going to go sign with the Lakers. And look what happened. He met, he became close with Russell Westbrook. He became close with Billy Donovan, his coach. And next thing you know, he signs a max deal to stay with Oklahoma City Thunder. And look at him now. They're now third place in, in the West. So there's a chance. I really, really and truly believe that. But the worst part about this whole situation over the last week is the media. And let me just get this off my chest right now. If you're going to text me with some crap, or you're going to email me, or you're going to tweet at me with some crap that's not tweeted out by Shams or Woj, I don't want to hear it. Like Rick Buecher came out with some some news. Rick, I, tr- I trust your parents, and I probably don't even know your parents because there's some people I probably don't even know that listen to the podcast. I trust... Your parents more than I trust Rick Buecher. The guy sucks. He's messed up so many deals. He's messed up so much news in the NBA. And it's gotten to the point where he had to call out like other media members on when they were a little bit wrong. And he works for the Bleacher Report now. So yeah, shams, woes. That's it. And what's crazy about the media, and it really drove me crazy on Friday morning when Kyrie Irving finally met with the media for the first time because he was out Monday and Wednesday with the hip strain, so obviously he wasn't available to the media. So he was available for shoot-around at Madison Square Garden on Friday morning. And ESPN posted a picture of Kyrie Irving, and it says, I spent the last eight years trying to do whatever what everyone else wanted me to do, and I don't owe anybody shit. So ESPN is trying to make you say, oh, Kyrie's saying fuck you. Kyrie's trying to make you say, hey, screw you, Boston. But if you actually listen to the whole clip, which I'm about to play for you in a little bit, or in like two seconds, you'll you'll realize that like Kyrie is angry at the media. He sounds annoyed. And Chris Mannix on Friday night before the Celtics game stated that he talked to one of Kyrie's former teammates. And one of Kyrie's former teammates basically said that, 
he hates being involved with someone else's future. So, for example, if Kyrie knows what he wants to do, Kyrie has a plan and he wants it to do it on his own. He doesn't want to be attached to Anthony Davis. He doesn't want to be attached to Clay Thompson. He doesn't want to be attached to all the Max guys, Kawhi Leonard, etc., etc. Kyrie wants Kyrie's story, and that's it. And I appreciate that. And I think that right there and then is a good thing to hear. I really do. Because no one, if Kyrie, if what Chris Mannix and that former teammate said is true, Kyrie's not going to care if Anthony Davis goes out excuse me, to L.A. Kyrie's not going to care. Kyrie's not going to care if Anthony Davis goes to the Spurs or the Timberwolves or the Knicks or whatever. So that's great. So listen to this actual clip. Think about this, okay? ESPN just said all that he said was, I spent the last eight years trying to do what everyone else wanted me to do, and I don't owe anybody shit. So you think that's a bad interview, right? So listen to this clip from John Corrales at Mass Live and enjoy it. Is that a difference? You know, did something happen? Did something change? No, I mean, I'm going to just do what's best for me. Um, that's where it really comes down to. Um, obviously, this has become like an entertainment thing for everybody. So, you know, somebody else is asking for a trade, and I'm thrown into that. And uncertainty comes back on me. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't live in this little hub that, you know, I don't, I, everything. Some people call me about this, you know, this dumb shit. And, you know, of course, my name is to keep going on in this. I'm not worried about a reputation. I'm not worried about a legacy of me. I'm just trying to be a human being, trying to make the best decision for me and my family. So, you know, um, obviously, you know, things this season haven't gone as, as I planned. Um, and, you know, and that's part of being on a team where you're, you're still trying to figure things out. So uh, I'm always going to be mature about that, professional, um, coming to do my job every single day, and really just see what happens. Um, and that's where it really comes down to. Well, I think it was just the excitement, um, you know, feeling emotionally invested, you know, coming off an injury, uh, you know, last season, trying to prove something, trying to be very much of a team-oriented player, which I am naturally. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, I spent the last eight years trying to do what everybody else wanted me to do um, in terms of making my decisions and trying to validate through the media, through other personnel, managers, anybody in this business, and I don't owe anybody shit. So, um, you know, for me, I think that uh, the confidence that I have in myself and my abilities, I want to be able to control what I want to control. And, uh, you know, I still have confidence in Boston and what they can promise for the future and what we have in terms of our pieces. And that's what excited me a lot about the beginning of the season was the opportunity to, you know, come into this season really just doing what we planned on doing, set a goal and go after it and then see what happens at the end of the season. So that was the plan before and that's still the plan now. Um, you know, obviously Boston's still at the head of that race, and um, you know, it's just where it's standing. Have you Brian felt Parson? increased internal pressure at any age as he talks to you every day, um, you know, about your commitment to sustain? I mean, this is like college recruitment all over again, so <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. This is, this is just weird. You know, it's a new position for me to be in, you know, answering all these questions, seeing all this, you know, stuff that I'm trying to avoid, and it's just a distraction. You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy how stories and things and storylines can seep into a locker room and you know you guys are part of the destruction of locker rooms and um, yeah, that's just what it is I, I, this is an entertainment industry I don't live for this entertainment I don't live for all these you know talking to everybody every single day about my life and my decisions and I would just hope that everybody would respect that and um, you know that's, that's 
really basically it. You know, I'm a normal human being at the end of the day. I don't want to answer all these questions about my future all the time. You know, it's unfair to me because I have a focus to, to really help these guys grow as individuals and really help this team be successful. Okay, I know that was a long clip, but that was the, the biggest chunk of that clip that really stood out to me. And you think about it, it sounds like Kyrie's more pissed at the media than he is at anything else. Kyrie doesn't want to just come out and say, hey, I want to re-sign with the Boston Celtics because clearly this has been a frustrating process for him. Maybe the young guys have pissed him off. Maybe he's frustrated with the fact that the team's not the number one seed, the fact that they're only the third seed right now. So I get that. But at the same time, he still said that the Celtics were the front runners and that he has confidence in their future. So in s- why... Does the media, you know, I don't want to call myself a member of the media, but I like to read the entire thing before I freak out because, sure, at first when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Shoot me in the face. But not true. You read the whole thing. You listen to the whole thing. It Basically, Kyrie's saying, hey, you guys, the media, are running stuff. I'm not going to give you any ounce of information, and you can talk to me on July 1st. So... Hopefully, we don't have to hear about it anymore from Kyrie. The trade deadline for the NBA is February 7th. And the Lakers are in town February 7th. (laughs) And we'll preview that game in a little bit. But the drama heading into this game, because if the LA Lakers don't make a good offer to the New Orleans Pelicans for Anthony Davis, the Celtics have a real shot at him because the Celtics have the better assets. Now... The only thing that kind of sucked after Kyrie's little rant that I just played was later in the day, the Knicks traded away Christos Porzingis to the Dallas Mavericks for Tim Hardaway Jr., Courtney Lee, and Trey Burke. And then the Knicks, in return, got Dennis Smith Jr., DeAndre Jordan, Wesley Matthews, and some first-round draft picks that are protected from 2021 and 2023. The negative about this is, is this opens up $75 million dollars of cap space for the Knicks next summer or this upcoming summer, which basically means they can sign two max guys like a Kyrie Irving, a Kevin Durant or a Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, et cetera, et cetera. Now this is obviously a huge risk by the Knicks because now the Knicks are basically saying, we're going to trade away a franchise player who's coming off an ACL injury. Who's only like 24, 25 years old. Who's still on his rookie contract to hopefully get two max guys. Now, you guys got to remember a couple summers ago, the Knicks had an opportunity to sign, I, I'm sorry, not a couple years ago, like 10 years ago, they had an opportunity to sign a bunch of Max players, and the best one that they got was Amari Stoudemire. Very, very, very sucky situation for Knicks fans. James Dolan is a horrible, horrible owner. So this is a huge risk by the Knicks fans because they might end up with someone like Tobias Harris as your max guy. And Tobias Harris is a very good player, and we're actually playing Tobias Harris and the Clippers this Saturday at TD Garden. But this is a huge risk for the Knicks. And the Knicks are in the Celtics division, so if the, if it doesn't work out for them, then, hey, we'll take those four wins every single year. You know what I'm saying? And what Woj said on SportsCenter at 6 o'clock that night was basically, hey, don't worry about it, Celtics fans. He said, and I quote, the Celtics have a, or the Knicks have a long way to pry at Kyrie Irving joining the team. So Woj knows that the number one 
place for Kyrie. And the number one place he wants to be is the Boston Celtics. So, I'm okay with it right now, okay? And I just got one more little bit of information before I give you my final takes on this whole Kyrie situation. But Friday night, after the 6 o'clock Center, Woj tweeted out that the Lakers really aren't offering it all up for Anthony Davis. They're really not. They only offered Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, Rondo, Beasley, and a first-round pick. <laughs> Rondo, Beasley, a first-round pick, which will probably be out of the lottery, Kuzma, and Ball. That's laughable. Kuzma, in my eyes, is better than Ingram. I think so. But Kuzma's also a little bit older. But you need Ingram in that deal if you're the Pelicans. Like, if you're Danny Ainge and you read that tweet from Adrian Wojnarowski, you're like, <laughs> oh, the Lakers, you guys are so cute. That's so adorable. A for effort. So we really just got to wait until Thursday. I think the trade deadline ends at, th- it's either 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock. I'm having a brain fart. It's either th- 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock. The trade deadline ends. So going into the Lakers game. On Thursday night, the Lakers might only have like six guys playing. And LeBron James' load management will have to be at an all-time high. But my final thoughts on this Kyrie situation so we can just move on from it and hopefully don't have to talk about it until like episode, you know, like 52 or something. I love the future for the Boston Celtics. I really do. And I think Kyrie realizes that too. But I think it all starts with the Anthony Davis situation. I really do. I think if... Danny sits down with Kyrie and says, hey, guess what? We're going to do everything we can to get you Anthony Davis, but you got to do everything you can for us to make sure that you stay here and you make sure he stays here too. And I think Kyrie's going to accept that offer. And it's great to know that Kyrie still believes that the Celtics are the front runners in his eyes. That's great. Is this whole situation frustrating because of basically what he said on October 4th, the season ticket holder practice? Sure. He says he plans on resigning. Yes, it's frustrating, but at the end of the day, I believe what happens in April, May, and June is going to keep Kyrie Irving on the Boston Celtics, not what has happened in October, November, and December. No team in the NBA has won more games since November 26th than the Boston Celtics. So the start of the season sucked. He was frustrated. He outspoke. He was a dumb leader. Sure, he called LeBron. Sure, he shouldn't have told the media because I bet you half of that stuff isn't is because of all that. But Kyrie Irving said the Boston Celtics are the front runner. I'm going to go by his word. I know Kyrie's a weird dude, but I'm going to go by his word and hope that his word is right. And one last thing, Bill Simmons said that the Celtics should trade Kyrie Irving and Bill Simmons, you can shut the hell up and we'll move on. Okay, simple as that. So now let's get into the state of the Boston Celtics. Where are the Celtics currently right now? How's the draft picks doing? All this crazy stuff. Currently, the Celtics are 34-19. and They're third in the Eastern Conference. They're actually tied with the Philadelphia 76ers, but since they've beaten them twice already this year, they are now currently the third seed. It's only a half game up. The Pacers, they're a half game behind the Celtics. They're now in the fifth seed since they've lost Victor Oladipo. They really haven't been playing that great. So the next five games for the Pacers are the Pelicans, Lakers, Clippers, Cavs, and Hornets. Not a crazy, you know, I could see them going 4-1, 3-2 in that situation. The 76ers, their next five games are the Raptors, the Nuggets, 
the Lakers, the Celtics, and the Knicks. That's a tough stretch. Raptors are the two seed in the East. Nuggets are the number one seed in, in the West. The Celtics are the number one seed. I'm sorry, the number three seed in the East. So it's a tough game. LeBron James, Lakers, could be a tough game. Now, what's interesting is that the Celtics are only three games in three. Sorry. Wow, it is so early. I can't even speak sometimes. The Celtics are only three games behind the Raptors in the loss column. They're four and a half games behind overall, but only three in the loss column. Keep that in mind. I know that sounds confusing, but don't worry about it. So the next five games for the Raptors are the 76ers, the Hawks, the Knicks, the Nets, and the Wizards. So that could be a 5-0 and run for the Raptors. So we, the Celtics have to keep pace, have to keep pace with at least the Raptors, definitely the 76ers, and I fully believe that the Pacers are slowly going to slip back because of that terrible injury to Victor Oladipo. The draft pick situation, I know I've been updating everyone. I, I hope everyone enjoys this because I do. I'm a big NBA draft guy. So the Grizzlies are currently locked into the sixth seed, which basically means the Celtics aren't going to get that. But that's a good thing because then the Celtics can offer the Grizzlies pick with the Anthony Davis trade situation if it comes to that. The Kings are also currently slipping as well, but that won't matter for Anthony Davis because we get that pick this year, no matter what, as long as it's not the number one pick. That then goes to the Philadelphia 76ers, which would absolutely suck. Currently, the Clippers, we play them this Saturday, TD Garden at 8 o'clock on ESPN. They're the eighth seed in the West. If they don't make the playoffs, we will get their pick next year, and it'll be the same type of situation, top 14 protected. Capiche? Great. And then currently the Celtics are 26th or 27th because they now have the fifth best record in the NBA. Think about that. With how crazy and negative people have been about this team and how poorly they've played at times, they still have the fifth best record in the NBA. It's very, very, very impressive. And the Celtics would currently be the third seed in the West, too. So, sure, the season didn't start off the way that we wanted it to, but that's okay because look at we're the third seed right now. Everything's going to be fine. Let's recap all four games from last week because there was a lot of them. First off, let's talk about the Nets game. The Nets, they're a good team. They really are. Congratulations to D'Angelo Russell. Victor Oladipo made the all-star team, and D'Angelo Russell is going to be his replacement since Victor Oladipo obviously got hurt. The Celtics ended the month of January at home after also beating the Charlotte Hornets on Wednesday night. So two wins in a row after the tough loss to the Warriors. They beat the Nets. They beat the Hornets. They end the month of January at home 10-1, and and overall in the month of January they were 11-4. They had that three-game losing streak, which started to annoy people, and then they lost to the Warriors, but then they won 11 other games. The Nets game was a good game. I thought it was a great little back and forth. The Nets are really good. The Nets, here's the thing. If the Nets have cap space too, why not join the Nets? I mean, bring bring back basketball into Brooklyn. Jay-Z's one of the owners. I mean, why not why not go there instead of the Knicks? The Knicks suck. But anyways, Kyrie did not play that game and guess who started for him? Terry Rozier. And Terry Rozier had a pretty decent game. He had 7 assists. Terry usually doesn't pass the ball that much, but the guy of the night was Marcus Smart. 21 points, 5 steals, absolute great game, 
Aaron Baines hit a couple three-pointers, and then Brad Stevens afterwards called them the muscular Splash Brothers. And then NBC Sports San Francisco, you know, like the NBC Sports Boston, but out in San Francisco, literally wrote an article about why they were upset that Brad Stevens used the word Splash Brothers. Butt hurt much? Like, come on. He was obviously just joking. Aaron Baines and Marcus Smart couldn't beat Steph Curry and Klay Thompson in a Splash Brothers three-point contest for the rights of the Splash Brothers. Out of 100 times, they'd win zero. Okay, so relax. Okay, stop being so insecure. NBC Sports San Francisco. What a joke. But the great part about this game was the Celtics defense minus the third quarter. Of course, they gave up over 35 points once again to the Nets. But everyone was super aggressive on defense. Everyone was. And no one drives to the basket more in the Eastern Conference than the Nets. They love to attack the basket. So the Celtics had to do their best defending the paint. And oh me, oh my, did they ever. 16 blocks. Baines and Horford combined for nine of those. That actually ties a franchise record for most blocks in one game. It actually happened back in 1983 in January against the Chicago Bulls. And it's kind of funny because I was going to do a banner banter investigation on someone who had a block in that blocks in that game, but if you actually go look at the box score, they only record Kevin McHale with nine blocks in that game and no one else with any other blocks. The total box score of blocks was 16. So where did the other seven come from? It's interesting. Yeah, I when I was looking at it, like I refreshed the page, did it again, nothing happened, and then I was just like, how bizarre, do 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 do, how bizarre. But what was great about the Celtics was 11 steals too. 16 blocks, 11 steals. Huh? Beautiful, beautiful. But Al Horford. Six blocks in this game. As much as we think that, like, Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of defense, you got to think that Al Horford is too sometimes. Because when Al is on point defensively, this team is tough to beat. Because the Celtics, they can guard anyone on the perimeter. Marcus Smart can defend anyone on the perimeter. Kyrie's getting a little bit better. Marcus Morris is very good at defending people on the perimeter. But if teams are afraid to attack the paint because of Aaron Baines and Al Horford. That's huge for the Celtics. It really is. If Al Horford can get four, five, six blocks a night, I mean, on night, that's a lot. But if he can get a couple in the playoffs, like average two blocks a game, that's huge. Because now someone's going to stop, hesitate, see Al Horford, and then shoot a contested elbow shot, which most likely won't go in. And that's what the Celtics need. If the Celtics can get some defensive paint presence whenever the time lord isn't out there it's gonna be great it's gonna be great to see now the hornets game what a blowout like i said they won 126 to 94 this was a complete effort by the celtics six guys in double figures eight guys in the plus of the plus minus terry rogier once again had a great game Kyrie missed some time with his hip strain obviously that's a little nerve-wracking when you hear hip point guard Boston Celtics but Kyrie obviously played in the Knicks game and the Thunder game and he looks fine but Terry Rozier tied his career high 10 assists 17 points five boards Terry actually looked like a true point guard out there I I 
I can't remember the last time I felt comfortable with Terry Rozier running the offense. I understand that Terry Rozier can bring the ball up. He'll then pass it off, and then if he gets it towards the end of the shot clock, he's pretty good at getting a shot up. But Terry Rozier made sure pick and roll was working. Terry Rozier threw some lobs. He threw an unbelievable lob to Jason Tatum for a six slam late in the third quarter, right in front of the Hornets bench, right on the baseline. I can't believe Tatum actually caught it, but Terry Rozier's lobs since the start of 2019 have been on point or on fleek, as the kids like to say. it, It was great. Terry Rozier, if Terry Rozier can run an offense, I'll feel so much more comfortable with him out there. I really and truly would. And what, because of the way he ran that offense, the Celtics, 34 assists on 50 made field goals. <laughs> that's, that's lovely. It really is. Just lovely. But the thing that stuck out to me in this Hornets game was, guess what? Third quarter. What have I been complaining over the last, like, five episodes? third quarter defense coming out of halftime and just giving up 35 38 40 you name it 16 points the Hornets scored 16 points in the third quarter the final six minutes and 49 seconds of the third quarter the six players scored for the Celtics 25 points total and that was really the big push that extended this lead and really blew out this game but Gordon Hayward was a plus 23 and the Celtics bench outscored the Hornets by 31 points. The bench was great in this game. Jalen played well. Ter- um, sorry, not Terry. Baines played well. Gordon Hayward, 12 points, 50% shooting, had a dunk too. Yeah, he did. Gordon's back, guys. He really is. Well, the Thunder game, he wasn't that great, but he didn't. He had one of the best guys in the league defending him, Paul George. I mean, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a little bit of a break there, but. Gordon Hayward was great. He really and truly was. Now, one other thing that I need to talk about. Remember, like, mid-November, how I talked about how the Celtics, like, didn't attack the basket at all. They were, like, 28th overall at attacking the rim or shots within the paint restriction area, et cetera, et cetera. The Celtics scored 64 points in the paint. That's more than anywhere else, whether it was inside the three-point line outside the three-point line, you name it, 64 points. If this team can get to the bench and their shooting works out a little bit like it has, (laughs) watch out. Watch out. Don't look. Don't look now. The Celtics are already the three seed. Don't look now. They're playing some great basketball. They won nine out of the last ten. If the Celtics can get to the paint night after night, watch out. Kyrie near the rim doesn't miss. If Horford can hit those baby hooks where he dribbles, 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 shimmies, dribbles, baby hook. If that type of stuff can go in, a Tatum decides to attack the basket more. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you. Patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. All right, Friday night, let's recap the Knicks game. The the Knicks didn't have everyone. You know, they didn't have Dennis Smith Jr. They didn't have Wesley Matthews. They didn't have DeAndre Jordan because of the trade. But, man. The Knicks always just play the Celtics tough for some odd reason, and the Celtics needed a little bit of a run in the fourth quarter, thanks to Marcus Morris, to extend the lead to win 113-99. But the thing that stuck out to me in this game, the Celtics took care of the basketball. They made the right plays. They made smart decisions. They weren't forcing the ball on the fast break. They weren't forcing the ball after an outlet pass. They just took their time, did their thing, and they only had seven turnovers. 
seven turnovers, and 54 points in the paint off of 52.9% shooting in that area. Mm-mm-mm. That's what I love. And, and they didn't allow 30 points in any of the quarters. It wasn't like they allowed 25, and then 27, and then 52, and then 30. Mm-mm. None of that. Under 30, all four quarters. Now, the Knicks suck. The Knicks want Zion Williamson, and then they want two max guys. The Knicks are doing the definition of tanking, so I'm really not crazy impressed by it. But a win's a win. These type of games is where players get confidence. And Gordon Hayward, 15 points in this game, and another dunk in transition off an alley-oop. He's coming, folks. He's coming. Two out of his last three games have been very good. Have been delicious. Have been delightful. Marcus Morris. He went through a little bit of a shooting slump, but he's back. 18 points. Went 4-9 from 3. Five boards in this game. Love it. Jalen. Finally played two or three games in in a row. And he played them pretty well. 21 points. Six boards. Plus 13 versus the Nets. 24 points. 10 boards plus 19 versus the Hornets, and then the Knicks, 11 points, and four steals versus the Knicks. But I'm still not that high on Jalen Brown yet. I'm really not, and I'll explain why a little bit later on. Thunder game. Sunday afternoon, a little Super Bowl Sunday matinee. Celtics win 134-129. to They won it without Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines has a foot contusion. He's probably going to be out after the All-Star break, so the Celtics really got to play like another... Probably like six or seven games without him. And the Celtics are only 19 and 17 with Aaron Baines playing less than 14 minutes. So zero to 14 minutes, they, they're they 19 and 17, and then they're 15 and two when he plays more than 15 minutes. I've said it once. I've said it before. Aaron Baines is very important to this team. Al Horford's obviously playing at a very elite level right now, so that obviously helps. But Aaron Baines is needed on this team. But this Thunder game, max contract guys did max contract things. Kyrie got his fourth straight double-double with 20 points or more. First time a Celtics player has ever done that since November of 2017. The person? Go ahead, take a guess. Say it out loud. Take a guess. Okay, it's Kevin Garnett. So for those of you who said Kevin Garnett, cool. Congratulations. Al Horford, he has to go up against Steven Adams. I had some pretty close seats to the game. And Steven Adams is a monster. Steven Adams could play linebacker, tight end, D-end, you name it. He is a beast. And Al Horford had to go up against him. Horford finished with nine assists. He went eight of 13 from the field and finished 17 points. The The growth of Kyrie and Al Horford's pick and rolls are, are incredible. You know, you could see Kyrie kind of point here and say, hey, Al, be there. Al would be there, and then Kyrie, just the way that he comes off those screens, even, and Ferguson was guarding him. Ferguson's a really good defender for the Thunder, and he would always have his hands up, so Kyrie can't pass it right back to him right away, and then Adams would come over and double, but Kyrie always found a way to find Al Horford for, you know, a free throw line type jumper, uh, open three-pointer, you name it. Kyrie did a great job doing it. Kyrie did a great job distributing the basketball. He had double digit success once again. And this pick and roll between Kyrie, 
and Al Horford is really tough to beat. And the Thunder are a very, very, very good defensive team. They were both ranked top five in defensive rating going into this game, but each team 134, 139. I mean, uh, 134 to 129. That's a lot of points for two top five rated defenses. And the pace of this game was crazy. It was just run, 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 run. The first quarter, the pace was insane. It was like everyone, it literally looked like a pickup game. It was just sprint, 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 sprint. It was absolutely crazy. But one of the things that really made me happy in this game was Jason Tatum's defense. Oh, my God. Jason Tatum had two blocks, led the team in blocks. But Tatum's getting better defensively. Now, Paul George went off in this game. Paul George is so good, guys. He really and truly is. I He needs to be talked about more. I don't think there's a better two-way player in the league. And what I mean by that is no one is as good offensively and defensively as Paul George. Because, sure, you could say Kevin Durant is one of the best offensive players in the league, but are you trusting Kevin Durant's defense? Not really. If I need a star guy to cover another star guy, give me Paul George. Give me Paul George every every single day of the week. Paul George is great. And I thought Jason Tatum handled the defensive pressure from Paul George pretty well. I I do. I think Tatum shot 50% from the field. He didn't force. He wasn't trying to be too pretty. Not a lot of step-back jumpers because he knew Paul George would be there. So that's good to see that a smart kid like Jason Tatum can recognize, hey, I don't need to force things, especially when one of the best defenders in the league is guarding me. And I think he did a reasonable job against Jace, um, Paul George. I really do. Because there are times where, like, Devin Booker, when he would have to guard Devin Booker in November against the Suns, where Devin Booker went off and Jason Tatum, like, wouldn't put his hands up. Jason Tatum wanted to play defense yesterday. And that was something that I was really, really, really happy to see. And speaking of things that I was happy to see is Daniel Tice. We haven't really talked to him about a lot because obviously with Baines there in Horford, he's not going to get a lot of minutes. But since Baines was out, Tice played 17 minutes and he scored 14 points. And the pick and roll between him and Scary Terry was was great. It worked out well for both of them. It really did. And I don't want to compare you know Kyrie and Al's pick and roll to Scary Terry and Daniel Tice's pick and roll. But you can definitely feel that Tice... And Scary Terry are on the same page like Kyrie and Al are, no doubt about it. Because there were times where Daniel Tice was out on the floor with Kyrie, and Kyrie would be, like, yelling at him, like, stand there. And, you know, if Kyrie went to the basket and dished it out, but someone else got fouled, he would literally walk over to Tice and be like, dude, stand there, listen to me, and we'll make it happen. But the Thunder game was a huge win. The Thunder was, had the longest win streak in the NBA at 7 it was a huge, huge game for them, for the Celtics, and they won. And I know a lot. the Celtics have had a lot of big games, one at home this year. They've obviously beat the 76ers twice at home. The Thunder, they've beaten as well. They've had to play the Bucks twice at home. They're 1-1 one one against them. They've beaten the Raptors twice at home. So you got to think, you know, hey, the Warriors, they still got to go on the road. They don't have to go play the Oklahoma City Thunder on the road anymore. They still have to play the Nuggets twice. And one of those being on the road, Mile High, Denver, the altitude, all that stuff. The Celtics have a long way to go, and they have a lot of tough games. Like, let me let me look at this real quick because they have a lot of tough games on the road. You know, you think about it. They still got Philly 
Toronto and Milwaukee just in the month of February left because I'm not really worried about the Bulls or the Cavs. And then you figure the Clippers, they're pretty good. They're the AC, the Warriors, Philly again in March. Uh, and then who else do they got on the road? And then, yeah, they got to go to Denver and where else? Miami, Indiana, Washington. Yeah, a lot of tough games. I'm sorry, they don't need to go to Denver because they lost the Denver game earlier in the year. That's when Jamal Murray went off, now that I now that I think about it. But, all right. Obviously, we had a lot of things to talk about, and uh, why don't we get into my favorite segment? And now, it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. Okay, this week, Celtics stud and dud of the week. I love this segment because this is where I can give my steaming hot takes about the situation with the Boston Celtics. And the stud this week is Gordon Hayward. You're goddamn right it is. Plus 8 versus the Nets. Plus 32 versus the Hornets. Plus 14 versus the Knicks. Back-to-back double-digit games. He's had three dunks. I'm sorry, he's had dunks in three of the last four games. He didn't play that great versus the Thunder, but he had a very important and one. He tacked the basket really strong and helped the Celtics really expand their lead in double digits in the third quarter, which was very important. Now, the dud is Jalen Brown. I know I mentioned earlier, 21-6, and 24-10, 11-4. He played pretty well against the Thunder the other day. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not upset with his play. I'm just upset with one specific thing, and... Well, what did what did Jalen Brown do? Yeah, four of six from the field, twelve points, two assists, two boards, but a minus five. He was one of the three players in the negative in the Thunder game. It was Jalen, Terry, and Daniel Tice. If Jalen Brown doesn't improve his free throw shooting this year, I'm I'm gonna lose my mind. Fourth quarter free throw shooting and Jalen Brown. Don't go together. It's like the media and Kyrie Irving. They just don't gel. They really don't. Jalen Brown is playing great basketball as of late. He really is. I think he's finally accepted his role. But he will be a dud in my eyes until this dude can hit a couple free throw shots in a row. I don't really think that's a lot to ask. Is it? Be I I don't. Just just some free throws. That's it. Sorry if you hear my mouse clicking in the background. But this dude, Jalen Brown, is shooting 67% from the line. Now, which is second worst on the team. Robert Williams is at 60%, and that's the worst on the team. So people who are in front of him, Brad Wanamaker, Marcus Morris, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Aaron Baines, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Yershawn Yabaselli, Daniel Tice, Semi Ojale, Jalen Brown. Dud. Hit your free throws because his two missed free throws in the fourth quarter, the Thunder went down and got buckets, and it cut the lead just like that. Three, four-point turnarounds just because Jalen Brown can't hit a freaking free throw. All right, let's preview the upcoming week for the Celtics. They got three games this week. Tuesday night, 7 p.m., they go on the road to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are not good. Celtics won by 20 the last 
time that they played them, less than two weeks ago at the Garden, there was no Horford and no Kyrie in those games, but Terry Rozier scored 25-plus points in that game, so that was great to see. Obviously, we have to watch out for Osman and Clarkson, and we got to keep anti-Zuzitz off the boards. But recently, the Cavs, I think it was Sunday, yeah, Sunday, yesterday, they made a trade to give up Rodney Hood to the Portland Trailblazers for a bunch of no-name guys. So the Cavs just got worse because Rodney Hood is usually one of those guys that sometimes shows up for them, but don't have to worry about Rodney Hood. So it'll be interesting to see how Osmond, Clarkson, and Zizertz do. It should be a W for the for the Celtics so they can move to 35-19 and 19 on the season. Then L.A. comes back, and it's actually pretty cool because the Bruins, I know I'm talking about the Bruins, but Bruins, the next time they're at home, Saturday night or Saturday afternoon, against the L.A. Kings, next Celtics home game, L.A. Lakers, New England Patriots, just beat the L.A. Rams. So hopefully the trophy's in the house in front of the L.A. teams both times. Now, the thing that kind of scares me, if the Patriots decide to bring the Lombardi trophy to the Lakers game on Thursday night, is usually LeBron just likes to ruin everything when he plays the Celtics. Paul Pierce night, even when he was on the Cavs, ruined it. Game 7, Eastern Conference Finals, ruined it. Big three playing, ruined it. LeBron owns the Celtics. I have no problem admitting that. The first, what, maybe five or six years in the league, the Celtics owned him. But ever since he went to the Heat, he owns he owns the Celtics. It's, it is what it is. Now, 8 o'clock, TNT, like I mentioned earlier, the trade deadline's early in that day. It's I, I think it's going to be a great game. You know, Kuzma and Ingram... On the big stage, can they perform? They performed very well against the Warriors and then got blown out. Can the young guys... I I just want to see the battle of the young guys because you see so many Lakers fans chirp that Ingram's better than Tatum. I think that's absolutely hilarious. I think Ingram is overrated, and it hurts to say that because Ingram's a Duke guy. But I think Kuzma is better than Ingram. I think Kuzma... And Kuzma got picked much later in that draft. I think he was like low 20s or mid 20s in whatever draft class he got picked in. I think Kuzma is much better than Ingram. LeBron isn't 100%. He sat out the other night due to load management after playing one game when he came back from his injury. I think he was only supposed to play like 30 minutes. He ended up playing 40 minutes and needed a night off against the Warriors on Saturday night on primetime because of load management. So whatever the hell that means. But after a recent game for the Lakers, they had a blowout of a lot of the veteran guys, JaVel McGee, Michael Beasley blew up in Luke Walton's face. So clearly, you know, Anthony Davis wants to go play for a very stable organization like that. But yeah, unbelievable. That will be a fun game. Celtics should win that one. The Lakers do have some big wins this year, no doubt about it. They're on one game out of the eighth seed to obviously miss, I think LeBron missed like 17 or 18 games for them. So obviously they can win with LeBron and they can win without him as well. But not very, not a lot of games without him. And then Saturday night, part of a double dip over at TD Garden. The Bruins games at 1, Celtics games at 8 o'clock. The Celtics game, 8 o'clock, ESPN. They're playing the Los Angeles Clippers. It's always nice to see Avery Bradley and Doc Rivers. They'll be coming back. Patrick Beverly, he's a great defender on point guards. He's the one who always gets in some beefs with Russell Westbrook. And, you know, he's a good defender. There's no doubt about it. Gallinari, he finally looks healthy. I'm happy for him. He had such a tough like three or four year stretch about always being hurt, and I'm glad he's back and healthy, so it'll be great to see him play. Montrell, 
he is like the Clippers, Marcus Smart, just an energy guy. He's great off the boards. The Celtics really have to keep him off the boards. He's no joke. Tobias Harris, Lou Williams, those are the guys. They can score the basketball very well, and it should be a good game. The I think the Clippers are match up better than the Lakers do with the Celtics, so it should be a good game all around. It should be a great week at TD Garden and hopefully for the Boston Celtics. And before we end this podcast, let's do a Banner Banter investigation. We now interrupt this podcast to bring you a very special Banner Banter investigation, Celtics Unit Report. Okay, this week's Banner Banter investigation is about Tom Brady. Yep, that's right. The Patriots won the Super Bowl yesterday, so I'm just going to give you a whole bunch of stats from Tom Brady, who was originally born and raised in California and was drafted in the sixth round of the NFL draft from the University of Michigan. Tom Brady, drafted in the sixth round, is now a 14-time Pro Bowler, which is the All-Stars for the NFL, for, for those of you at home that don't know what that means. Most regular season wins by a quarterback, most passing yards in the NFL, including playoffs, most touchdowns thrown to the most different wide receivers, over 70 different people he's thrown a touchdown pass to, 17 division titles, 32 playoff wins, or, yeah, 32 playoff wins, most playoff TDs and passing yards, and he just won a sixth Super Bowl ring the other day. That's your banner banter investigation about the GOAT. Tom Brady. All right, folks. Episode 27 is in the books. Thank you guys so much for dealing with me. I feel like I was started really tired and really slow, and then I finally got into myself and realized, hey, get with it. So thank you guys so much for listening. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podbean, SoundCloud, you name it. I'm on it. Facebook, Instagram, at Banner Banter. 18. Whoops, sorry about that. Facebook and Instagram is at Banner Banter Podcast, and the Twitter machine is at Banner Banter 18. You can always email me with suggestions or questions about the show at Banner Banter Podcast at gmail.com. That's it. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. Congrats again to the New England Patriots, six time world champs, and the Boston Celtics are currently the, th- the third seed. Don't look now. Most wins since November 26th. Toodles and noodles, X's and O's. And if you're listening to this in the shower, don't drop the soap. Bye bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.